0: Welcome to Conversations with Dr. Jennifer, a collection of interviews on the topics of relationships, sexuality, spirituality, and more, all featuring Dr. Finlayson Fife.
1: I'm so excited that you could join me today. I when I got the email from Christy that you'd said yes, I like paced my kitchen and I was feeding my one-year-old breakfast, and I like kind of forgot and. I was just kind of freaking out. <laughs> so this is a topic that I've thought a lot about as I've um, gone through my journey of healing with my husband's pornography use and I've, heard snippets of other people's stories, not very many. I've felt like I wasn't quite capable enough to describe this concept fully. And I feel like it's so important. And so I'm super glad. So this concept of needing to feel anger for the wife, needing to feel anger for their towards their husband, like when they find out about a relapse or new information in some form, or some sort of anger, and if they they feel like they have to feel that way, in order to in some way punish their husband or some way motivate their husband to be better, because there's fear if they aren't angry, then it would just get worse, and their husband would just be just be fine with it.
0: Right, it's an attempt at control. Right, the punishment and the and the I'm so hurt is sometimes an attempt to get the partner to do what you want, what makes you more comfortable, yes.
1: And as I've explored the idea of self-compassion, I felt like that can kind of counteract that need of uh, feeling control or that wanting to manipulate, you could say. So how Mm -hmm. would you describe self-compassion? And Mm -hmm. you can describe it like what it would look like for the wife, what it would look like for the husband. Mm -hmm.
0: Well um yeah so you're you're saying that for you self compassion has felt like an important variable in working through the meanings around this and that um, you're you're wanting to kind of think about that idea with me is that right Yeah yeah So so your question again is uh, like what would self compassion so give, give me the question one more time yes.
1: so, can... so what would self compassion look like in a relationship with unwanted pornography. And how could it look like for the wife? And what could it look like for the husband?
0: Okay, so this is in the scenario, the, the stereotype scenario of the man's looking and the wife is, is trying to kind of feel Well, I think the self-compassion is that if you... I mean, I think porn is generally... And sexuality in general is often so... We're so afraid of it that... Right that it can be um, to have some compassion for your fear and reactivity and sense of betrayal and sense of you know your marriage or your marriage as you understand it is falling apart to have compassion for the difficulty can be helpful which is different than poor me I'm a victim you know that's a different path but to say My disorganization, my upsetness, my lack of clarity makes sense and I don't have to beat myself up for having those feelings. Anytime the world offers us a reality that we were not prepared for, I find it very unhelpful to be hard on ourselves for the fact that we are disorganized by the emergence of a reality we did not anticipate. I mean, I think that's a lot of life. (laughs) I think we are often confronted with challenging realities in our lives that we did not see coming. And so having compassion for the fact of our humanity and our inherent vulnerability in being human, I don't mean vulnerable as in we can't do things that help ourselves, we can't do things that make our lives better or address our marriage or whatever it is. But there is a kind of because we're interconnected and we are inherently vulnerable as human beings right the suffering is is a real thing and it's not easy or fun and i think being our heart on ourselves for the fact of it is to not understand the human experience so i know i'm kind of going out you know to ten thousand foot level but that's true and so yes it's disorganizing and, and a lot of people cast it as betrayal trauma I have some issues with some of the betrayal trauma approach, if I were to stereotype that approach. But what I don't take issue with is how disorienting, distressing, and painful it can be to find out that your partner looks at porn or has looked at it or has looked at it and not told you. Because you're trying to figure out what it means and what it means about you. Is this about me not being enough? Is this about him being... Um, a degenerate of some kind right like what does it mean and especially if you have a lot of meanings that you've been given that say this means this is the equivalent of an affair or this means the next step is you know molesting children or something because a lot of people have learned those ideas the fact that you're afraid and unclear makes perfect sense mm-hmm. so the self-compassion is helpful and um, Also, you can use it, and we can talk about this more maybe, to move yourself forward into more reality, not into the arms of people who tell you poor you.
1: Right. Yeah, that's perfect. I was actually going to ask about betrayal trauma and how the self-compassion can help with true healing. And I love that idea of being able to be open to the truth of what is actually happening rather than taking in the stories of your past and creating something that isn't the truth.
0: Right. Truth is is a required element in healing, um, in getting stronger. Maybe that's my preferred word. In becoming more able to chart reality and make good decisions for yourself. So one of my critiques of some approaches to the person who finds out their spouse is looking at porn is to reinforce the idea of their victimization and of their powerlessness and looking for support in dealing with a degenerate person. I don't think that while that can feel comforting on on some level that and I certainly understand there's comfort in saying, hey, there are other people like me. There are other people who've gone through the same thing. There are other people who understand how disorienting this is. That, that I can certainly appreciate because it helps you have some self-compassion. It helps you feel like I'm not strange that I am in this situation or having some difficulty. The danger in it is that it becomes a way to get validation of your terrible lot and not have to deal with your marriage or grow yourself up or move towards what is required of yourself to address your sexual relationship, to address your marriage, to address who you are as a couple. Any support that's valuable helps you go in and actually be a partner, helps you go in and deal with what's true about you and your marriage not because you are responsible for your spouse's behavior. We're always responsible for our own behavior, but we are participating in a marriage and have an impact on that marriage. And it can be dangerous if you use the frame of your victimhood to not deal with your responsibility in the marriage.
1: Yeah, I agree. As you were talking and mentioning how talking about it and finding out that there are other people like you I would imagine that it would help with the loneliness, because I can imagine it being so lonely of having this thought. And of course it would depend on previous beliefs. Like I had very similar beliefs growing up of like pornography is the worst thing ever. Your marriage is doomed. And it's common, but not that common. And and you know, made promises to myself that I would never marry anyone who had this issue. Right. And then trapping yourself in that loneliness can be very a very challenging place to be
0: yes so I I agree that it is often very lonely because it's like gosh the person I thought I knew I don't know I don't know whom to trust I don't know how to make sense of it and there's a ready-made group of people who get my experience exactly and so it, it's a very easy place to go to handle the the loneliness of it. But in my view, it's a very dangerous place to go to because while some of that can be helpful, right? Like I get it. A little bit of I get it goes a long way. Okay. But we can revel in. We get it. We're good. You're bad. We understand each other. The cross we have to bear dealing with men like you, that can quickly become a, a way to solidify. in maturity with the validation of other people rather than how do we move forward as strong women how do we actually create and deal with our marriages i don't mean that every marriage um, in that situation is going to stay together if the woman does her part by any stretch am i saying that no okay I, i'm not saying that at all however for you to even run your life wisely you need to go get more information and that's the best heel of loneliness now i don't mean to say that once you get to know your spouse, you're just gonna feel so much better. You may not. You may find out there's more there than you thought. You may find out that there's plenty to distrust, okay? Or you may find out that they are a person you can actually understand. You may find out that there is more room to understand what's been happening and who the two of you are. It's in under knowing each other that you come. That's a much safer way it's a much wiser way to build the bridge around loneliness than just go get the validation that's easy to get.
1: Right. I love that. I was thinking about the betrayal trauma. So going a little bit back to that is if somebody is responding to betrayal trauma, but doesn't really know that that's what they're experiencing, is there a way for, I guess, particularly in this situation, a wife to become more aware that that's what they're experiencing. And then if they're able to identify that, could maybe help them see themselves more holy and avoid that victim mentality. You're
0: you're saying you think that some people may not even understand the legitimacy of their feelings?
1: Yeah, or they are experiencing betrayal trauma but don't have the name for it so it's like they're responding to that hurt without knowing exactly the depth of their hurt in a sense
0: i think that the way i would say it is that it can be helpful it depends it depends a lot on what is the source of the hurt Mm -hmm. right so for example if somebody's spouse is cheating on them is psychologically abusive is manipulative let's say the woman in that situation, the person being betrayed, the person being psychologically manipulated, may not be good at holding on to the fact that they are being harmed and that they are being manipulated psychologically. And the way you can often know that they don't have a good handle on it is that they keep making excuses for their partner, keep saying if they behave differently, their partner would behave differently. Like they have a sort of false sense of control if I just go along with what they want, then eventually they'll treat me well. That person definitely benefits from having a counselor, a friend, another person say, no, you're in a fantasy of control. You're being mistreated in my view. You're having these feelings because they're an honest reaction to your mistreatment. They're trying to signal to you that this is not A good place for you to be, Mm -hmm. and so it can be helpful to have other. It's not so much the validation. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that word, but it's the truth telling. It's other people saying you deserve better. Now, whether or not the person in that position believes they deserve better and is willing to act as though they deserve better is another question. But sometimes the first step is other people saying, "I see you being." I see you being lied to. I see you being manipulated. It's concerning to me. Or that you are legitimate to be having a distrust reaction. So, again, it's not about validating feelings and so you feel close to each other. That's not the goal. You may have those feelings. The goal is other people who are able to help you wake up to what is true about you in the relationship. Now, there's other people who may not like that their spouse is looking at porn and may feel really disillusioned by that and may be very disorganized about it and use the betrayal trauma idea to get a kind of moral high ground in the marriage. Ooh, yeah. Right, You've betra- I'm, a, I'm a victim of betrayal trauma. You have hurt me. You're supposed to be the good man, I'm the innocent good woman and you have betrayed the, the contract and so I'm a victim and I have a whole group of people who agree with me. That's very bad. Okay, That yeah. does not help people get strong. That does not help people deal with who they are because it's a collusion and we are weak and so we got to band together. So my reason for just kind of giving both ends of the spectrum is because, yes, if it's about helping you wake up to what's true and helping you understand that your reaction has a sense in it, that's very helpful information, but it, it always helps you move forward into your own clarity and strength not into a legitimized powerless position. Right. Yeah. So that's just a really important variable for me. That is just something to always think about, like, how is the information being utilized for that person's development?
1: Yeah, that's a good clarification. Um, So another question that has to do with clarity is I kind of had this idea in my mind that uh, my husband making progress was basically if he didn't look at porn at all. Right. But as I've experienced marriage and gone through some things, I've realized that that isn't the case. So I would love if you have any any ideas on what does progress look like? Yes. So
0: first of all, I think you're absolutely right that many of us define progress very behaviorally. That is to say, and I'm going to sound like I'm speaking out of both sides of my of my mouth here for a minute because I do care about behavior, because behavior does say a lot about who you are. But that is to say when we reduce sort of sexuality down to behaviors per se, this is an okay behavior, this is not no gay behavior. It's a very mm, primitive, it's it's not quite fair, that's a little too, but it's a very kind of an early way of thinking about sexuality. And it's not very helpful because as I've sometimes said, let's say like the internet shut down tomorrow, not another bit of porn was produced anywhere, that doesn't necessarily make you have a trustworthy marriage, right? So that is to say, if your spouse is looking at it, why? And if they're not looking at it, why? Because the why is very important about who you're partnered with, right? Yeah. So so it's not just, does this person ever look at something that could be called a pornographic image? I don't think that's good data per se the real data is why does this person do what they do with their sexuality including the, the wife including the non-porn viewer right. how are you in relationship to sexuality and to each other that's the measure of progress mm. does that make sense yeah. so if one gets it down to you know i've had people who've gone to addiction programs and so on and haven't looked at porn for months but they haven't developed necessarily they're still in a kind of rigid world of defiance and compliance so they comply and they don't look at it because they shouldn't mm-hmm. but then in a moment when they think nobody's watching they defy even if that way of thinking isn't trustworthy think way of thinking it's because it's so authority anchored right For somebody to actually become trustworthy they are moving into a place of deeper integrity within themselves, deeper honesty, deeper willingness to be knowable and can stand behind their behaviors. That's a measure of forward movement in one's trustworthiness. Mm -hmm. Even if the spouse doesn't like every behavior, does that make sense? But at least they're honest about who they are if they have integrity are actually aligning their behavior with what they believe is decent and fair. That is a more trustworthy person than somebody who's complying for a period of time with the edicts around porn, you know, or like, sometimes the people are checking on their spouse's porn viewing and being the policeman. Well, that doesn't move a marriage forward. That just, even if you have policed your spouse into not viewing for nine months, you still don't have a trustworthy spouse.
1: Yeah. That goes in perfectly well to my next question. So it sounds kind of like there's this spectrum of internal versus external motivation kind of thing. Yes. Um, Which I think could be helpful to identify both in the pornography viewer as well as the non-pornography viewer yes exactly um so my question would be what if you have a porn viewer say the the husband the man and they're wanting to improve is there something that the wife could do because i know the porn police i feel like that's coming Mm -hmm. from a good place of wanting to support their husband, even if the behavior may not necessarily be healthy as far Uh as uh concerned. Uh Is there a way that the wife can be supportive that's both healthy for the husband and the wife?
0: So yes, coming from a good place, I would say it's coming from an understandable place. It's a place that certainly makes sense given where many people are in their thinking that the biggest goal here is to make sure this doesn't happen again. Do you see what I mean? So if the goal is never ever lay eyes on any of that again, and then we know we're in a good marriage well, it make perfect sense to have the wife and the neighbor for that matter. And everybody be the porn police because that's the, that's the measure. Okay. But of course that isn't the measure. The measure is growing into a person that you, porn viewer feel good about okay the measure is growing into a marriage that the two of you feel good about and policing one's spouse to be the good boy you think he should be is not going to give you a marriage you feel good about certainly not a man you feel attracted to because you think if I'm not here he'd look and I'm acting like his mother and he's acting like a boy right. and usually that's not a sexy dynamic so you know that that is it's understandable given the way many of us think about the problem but it doesn't give us a marriage that we feel free and happy to be in either one either person yeah so i feel like i lost track of your question though can you say what that question was again
1: but yeah so is there a healthy way way, and support and it's different in every relationship yeah
0: it's going to be different but I know I'm so picky and and, and can probably be a little annoying sometimes around these kind of topics. People use the framing of support a lot, and I always have a bit of a reaction to it, but I'm not quite sure why. There very well may be a role of supporting, but I think these are usually about people doing what their work is, not trying to do the work that belongs to the spouse.
1: Well, in a sense, the wife... Working on themselves and working on having exactly. a very strong sense of self-compassion. Right. Strong sense of self can, I guess, inherently support the husband. Exactly.
0: When we're doing our work, that's the best way to help another person is to clean up your side of the street so that you're not impacting them, right? So let's say a wife feels like, I can't be happy until you've knocked this habit. Okay. So my happiness is yours to solve, but okay. And you're doing a crap job and I'm going to help you to help me be happy by like regulating what you do. The problem is how deeply entangled the responsibilities are in that meaning frame. I've got to control you. So I feel good because then you're the husband I need. So I feel good about me and us. So, it's, it's, it's so messed up, entangled, that it doesn't end up working. And then the husband is like, Well, she's gone. Now's my chance to feel like I belong to my own choices and I'm not being regulated. So, the porn actually is more tempting because it's linked to freedom. Really? But then also, this feeling like I'm the one who, who is killing my wife, I'm the one who's making her miserable. So, there's this conflict between I want freedom to be myself and I don't want to be a wretched person. And it often goes that the person goes for freedom, but then they feel like a wretched, horrible person. So it often just becomes this downward spiral when we're trying to control the wrong things.
1: Yeah. And I could imagine it stemming from hearing that you, when you get married, you find a person that completes you or you worry about their needs and then they're worried about your needs. And then I feel like if, Yes, You just kind of add more and more and more layers. Yes, it's
0: a meaning frame that's very cultural. I mean, not just within LDS circles. It's a very strong idea around what love is. And it's the wrong idea. And it's, in fact, an idea that gets people completely stuck because, as I say, the, the responsibilities are very messed up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you're supposed to make me feel good. I'm supposed to make you feel good. Well, how are we going to do that? when we don't even know how to be happy ourselves, right? You can't. Right. So, yes. And so we are often trying to fill the tank of the other person without having any gasoline ourselves to give. And then the resentments about, you're not filling my tank. You're not making me feel good. And I can go talk to other people who say, yeah, my husband's the same or my wife is the same and get a kind of validation hit without dealing with the struggle of your own handling your own tank of gas.
1: Right. Which can then sink you deeper into that, that victim. Exactly. Um, One thing that has helped me that I've, as I have gone into coaching, I'm a a certified life coach. And one thing that I've struggled with the, well, not struggled with, but wrestled with more so is the idea that I choose to believe that pornography is inappropriate in a marriage and how it's caused me lots of anguish, but at the same time, I feel better when I think it's not a big deal. Uh-huh. And so I'm kind of trying to, and I don't know if you can talk to this, but as, uh-huh. as like leaving a space for both to be true. Like pornography is a big deal, but it's also not a big deal.
0: I don't know a lot about the coaching theories that, that some people embrace, right? Uh, but I think a lot of them have, a, have what I would call from my counseling background, a cognitive behavioral element where you're looking at what is the impact of this belief or this choice. And are there alternative ones that um, would be more useful in solving a problem or more useful in being happy? That can be very useful actually, because a lot of times we have beliefs unarticulated to ourselves that are actually interfering with our ability to solve our problems and interfering with how we feel about ourselves. If I have a critique of it, it's that maybe unlike B.F. Skinner thought, it isn't just find the most functional belief, and then you're good because I don't think it's quite that blank slatey. When you're saying, I choose to believe porn is a problem, like, I get what you're saying. I, like, that is the belief I'm inhabiting, and therefore it's having impact. But I think, is there a way for me to have an understanding that captures more of reality? My critique is, it isn't a blank slate. You can't choose that fathers molesting daughters is okay. Right? You know what I'm saying? There are limits on what one can how much flexibility one has. But I also think there is a ability to push yourself to come into an understanding of what is in fact true that opens up those richer possibilities. Like the truth is I matter. The truth is I have strength. The truth is my husband is able to make decisions and they don't define him or us with inflexibility. Okay, the truth is that I can come to understand what porn does in fact mean in this marriage because there's a big range right just today one of my assistants posted something a comment I made about porn something like oftentimes people use porn to be sexual without being knowable I fully stand by that position right that I think that's true sometimes people do that because it is less intimate it's less exposed but then kind of what happens is that People jump into these extreme meanings that it's really hard for us to get specific about the meaning in our marriage, the meaning in ourselves, the meaning in our partner, because there is a wide range. The the thing that I take issue with is when porn becomes the defining reality rather than an expression of something that one needs to get a hold of. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. When
0: <laughs> porn is so vilified that that is the enemy, it gets you away from what's operating in the person I love or in myself, speaking of self-compassion for the person who does view porn, what is going on for me that I'm choosing this? What does it mean? What is it, what am I trying to solve? What's easier about doing that than the thing, you know, there may are there better ways to solve it? Why do I prefer this way to solve it or to try to solve it, right? as opposed to something I may feel better about, right? If I feel bad about it, what is it that I feel bad about exactly? Is it just this vilification of porn and therefore I am the scum of the earth? Is that what I'm doing? And I'm not actually taking a step back and and thinking about this, right? Or is it that I don't personally genuinely feel good about the fact that I feel deceptive or I don't feel good about handling my anxieties and fears in this way? or that I don't feel good about keeping my, you know, that I handle my anxiety in ways that keep me from my, my strength. There's, there's a lot of ways, um, but I think to make it a monolithic reality is extremely unhelpful. And to make it the problem is really unhelpful.
1: Right. Yeah. I've heard other coaches coach on this topic and how often the wife will kind of insert them into the problem Mm. to try to give themselves more control over the solution. Mm.
0: Say more so I understand that better. Like
1: like if the wife feels that they're not good enough and they're part of the problem, like if only they're prettier, if only they were smarter, if only they were more of the whole idea of being Mm -hmm. enough, if only they could be more enough, kind of puts them as part of the problem because it's Mm -hmm. like, I was prettier than my husband wouldn't view porn Mm -hmm. insert themselves into the problem. Cause then it's like, if I'm part of the problem, then I can be be the the solution.
0: Yes, exactly. Right. Precisely. Like when going back to your earlier comment, like sometimes the hurt, i.e. punishment withdrawal is an attempt at control just as it can be, if I'm prettier, nicer, sexier, then I'll have the control I need. And when our sense of self is walking around on another person, like it is for most of us, (laughs) it's no shocker (laughs) that we want to control them because we want them to give us the picture of ourselves that we feel good about. And it's a very human desire, but it doesn't work. Yeah. So, you know, that like as my mentor, Dr. Schnurrish would say, the more we try to get validation from other people, the less likely we are to get it. And the less we need validation from other people because we are dealing with our own ability to be okay with who we are, the more likely we are to get it,
1: Yeah.
0: right? So the thing that I would say is in that disorientation and that disorganization, the most self-compassionate thing you can do is go get more information about your spouse and about yourself in the marriage. See the marriage from a higher level, from a higher point of view, Mm. right? One of our liabilities as human beings is we really get the world from our point of view, right? And usually we're like, from my point of view, it all makes sense. I wonder what's the matter with everybody else. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you know when you like are watching the news and you think what a bunch of idiots or whatever it's it's because you're you're sold on your own view and you don't see the world as other people see it and so there's danger in that idea that i get it and as soon as i can get you to get it we'll be good and people do this in marriage all the time it's very normal but it's very unhelpful
1: kind of like the idea of we need to be on the same page and they say that out of love, but what they really mean is once they're on my page,
0: absolutely,
1: then we'll be good.
0: Exactly. I don't want to go on your stupid page. Get on my page. <laughs> right. And what we don't realize is we have to actually raise our understanding to include more of reality. And so what do I not yet understand about my spouse, about me, about how he or she sees me, right? About... What I don't get about their experience because not only does it help you build a marriage and, and deal with the loneliness, but it helps you become smarter, wiser, you have a better map. I mean, the problem with just hanging on to one end of the elephant, right, is you don't actually know what reality looks like. The problem with going to a news source that just reinforces what you already think is that you don't have a good map of reality. And so the more you can actually accommodate and make sense of truth out there that doesn't fit your current worldview, the more you can figure out what's up and down. Doesn't mean you have to buy into what everybody thinks, but you need to make room to understand how that fits in. And that's hard work because it sort of shatters our self-reinforcing view.
1: Right. In the coaching world, they talk a lot about getting curious about any yes. situation and I yes. feel like in order to truly get curious you have to have that self-compassion yeah I would kind of cushion it like or make it a cushion of is if you're wrong if you're so tight on your own base, yes and because you ha- don't have the level of self-compassion then it can be hard to really get Curious and be at totally like a, a place where you are 100% curious. You're not yes. just trying to tick a box. Like well, the other
0: well, thing I would say is that it's a lot of times we think, oh, I should understand my spouse, but we link it to them winning if we understand them rather than they need to understand my point of view. And and we do that because we want to win, right? Get on my page. I really don't care about your page. But the self-compassionate pers- position is I don't want to be an idiot. I don't want to, I mean, just to be on. like yeah. I owe it to myself to know at least how my spouse thinks and how they think about porn, how they think about themselves, how they think about me, how they think about our sexual relationship. Not because they're, you know, right, capital R, but because their point of view will help me see me, help me see us, help me see them. And if I'm going to not get hurt in this, I need to be, Awake! I need to see clearly. Yeah. So it's self-compassionate to go after the truth that hurts.
1: Yeah, that's
0: it's self-respecting.
1: Yeah, I'm just gonna say that seems like the self-compassion is is what can lead you to that truth. That, yes, like you, like you just exactly.
0: Said. And so sometimes the most loving thing we can do for ourselves is walk right into the information that we don't want, but that will help us get clear. I have worked with people that I think their spouse was having an affair and they would kind of just come up against all kinds of data, but they would just turn a blind eye to it because they just couldn't handle or fathom how much that would unravel their lives. And it was like an instinctive Mm self-protection. So you could see a self-compassion in it of sorts. But ultimately, it was keeping them in a situation that was very, very bad for them because they were so afraid of waking up to the untrustworthiness of their situation and of their spouse. Uh, You know, sometimes people are afraid to find out more about why does my spouse look at porn? First of all, just to be really clear, I am not making porn viewing and having an affair anywhere close to equivalent. Of course, some people who have affairs also view porn, right? But I'm I'm not trying to put those as equivalent realities at all. Um, but let's say your spouse is Lillian porn and you find out, then it may be very painful to go in a curious way, not in an accusatory way or looking to hang them from a the high branch, but to say, you know why did you decide to tell me or why didn't you tell me right if it was found out? And how have you made sense of viewing it? When do you view it? Is it about us? is it about me? Meaning, do you link it to me? Right. You know, we may be terrified of the answer to that. Like, is it just that I'm not sexy enough? Is it that I'm not, I'm not fulfilling his needs enough. I'm putting this in air quotes because this is how so many of us have been taught to think. And so sometimes again, we're afraid of what we might see so we don't get the information we need. And what we might see, you might even have a spouse that you might have a spouse who's very sincere and says, I feel terribly conflicted. I, uh, you know, some people I've worked with, it's like, I don't, I haven't known even how to talk to you about our sexual relationship, because I feel like you don't want it. And I'm an imposition. And this has just been a way to be sexual without being an imposition. Okay, that that's... Mm-hmm right and I do feel bad about it and it makes me feel guilty but I also haven't had the courage to be more honest until now you might have somebody who manipulates and says oh it's all your fault you know if you were just whatever I wouldn't be looking at it you know so you and, and that again doesn't mean that what they're saying is true it means it gives you the chance to look at who am I married to what is at the heart of who they are and what they're doing and you may need a wise third party to help sort that out for you. Or the, the farthest extreme, is this just one version of a repeating pattern of deception, manipulation? And, you know, there's that whole spectrum, but who is the person I'm with? And then you know that's the variable. It's not whether or not they ever look at a picture of sexually explicit images.
1: Mm-hmm. So you were mentioning before about how you didn't want to equate the same Consequences between an affair versus view and- Yeah. yeah. that's kind of one thing because that's not something I've experienced. Yeah. Um, but I was kind of curious as to what the differences might be. Yeah. Or what it might take as far as the level of self-compassion that let's say uh the husband has an affair. I know it could be both ways. Yeah. If husband has an affair, like what would the difference be, I guess, between the level of self-compassion that the wife would need to have to recover or heal from their husband viewing pornography versus their husband having an affair it's
0: an interesting way to ask the question i'm not sure if i, I quite think about it like that i would say that the big difference is in who you're married to
1: mm. okay. because
0: that's just a very different problem um i i feel more comfortable talking about the differences between viewing porn and having an affair i mean with an affair you are with another person right right? Not the image of another person, not an actor who's in a chat room or something like that. I mean, there's a whole spectrum here between those. But I think that you are actually engaging another person and having a relationship with them, which is very different than orienting your sexuality outside of the relationship. Well, meaning that you're not bringing all your sexuality to the marriage. And then there's also a difference between the deception, right? Like I've worked with non LDS couples and they just like, oh yeah. And I know my spouse looks at porn. Like it's not, it's not really a big deal for them because there's no deception in it. And it's an understood reality. Hmm. So sometimes the thing that's also hard for people is the deception. Okay. So the deception can hurt the fact that you're not just bringing all your sexuality to me can hurt, but that's different than you are deceiving me and engaging another person and having a relationship with them. It's just a very different level of impact on a marriage. It's a very different move. It's a very different willingness to mask something from the spouse is to engage another person. That's a big deal. So self-compassion, I mean, yes, that's going to be, that's going to really hurt if you find out your spouse has had an affair on so many levels. Like, what's the matter with me? What's the matter with us? Who are you that you would do it? Does he or she still matter to you? Like, Do you still hold them in your heart? Can I forgive it? Will it happen again? I mean, there's just so many layers of struggle and most couples don't make it out of that because it's such a such a challenge to one's sense of self. But the couples that do use it to grow, to look at who they are, to look at who they've been, and to push themselves to be better people.
1: One other question kind of about that is is the idea of divorce and kind of bringing back to my beliefs or what I was I was told from a couple that it was like we don't even mention divorce. We don't like we call it the D word because we don't ever talk about it and um growing up I thought that's a great idea because it'll totally make it so we don't I don't ever get divorced which again yeah. Rain was yeah sure that to be the worst thing ever and yeah as I have grown up and gotten older I've had conversations with my husband about divorce and it was like the best thing for our marriage
0: absolutely
1: and, and and I d- actually did a, a different podcast episode on this a little bit about how leaving space for divorce absolutely please space for you to choose your marriage
0: Exactly. So I certainly understand about people that just use divorce as a flippant tool, right? To basically scare the other person or to just, you know, to be manipulative Yeah, that I can understand, but you don't want to play with the idea of divorce. It's just cruel, right? On the other hand, if you can't sincerely consider no, you can't say yes, right? If you don't dare to say no in your sexual relationship, then yes, is not a yes. Right? right. So you have to really be somebody who has choices. And, and you know, I, I have talked about this in other podcasts that when I'm up against something hard, I will often go to the alternative, like, OK, I could say no to this. I don't have to do this. Like, I have a special needs child. When he was born, it was really challenging because I had a newborn and a child with with higher needs than my newborn. And, you know, I would sort of take myself through it as a real choice. like. I could turn this over to somebody else. I don't have to be the one that does this. Like really thinking about it. I have choices, they may not be choices I like, but I do have them. And that helped me to get to a true yes, like of all my crap choices, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to be doing. So marriage is very linked. I mean, if you just think you've walked into a prison cell and you've thrown away the key, well you may, then, then you're gonna be trying to control the guy. Okay, or control the woman because you don't have any other options except to get them into who you want them to be. Mm. So if you think of yourself instead as you have made a commitment to God or to your higher self about the kind of person you will be in marriage. I am committed to loving you well. I'm committed to bringing my best to you. I'm committed to facing myself here. That's what the commitment of marriage is in my opinion not I'm locked to you no matter what, right? Then you're gonna go towards the the disillusioning information because you wanna bring your best, clearest mindest, wisest self to the marriage, that is your commitment, and you need more data to know what that is. In some marriages, it might mean packing a bag and leaving. It might be this person is so unwilling to be faithful, to deal with who they are, to actually choose the marriage, and therefore, to live up to my commitment to be my best self here it is to say no to it right in other situations it may be confronting i am a part of my spouse's unhappiness i am a part of a marriage that hides i am a part of not being able to address our sexuality honestly right it's different than saying i'm responsible for you looking at porn therefore i should have more sex so you don't look at it it's not that yeah but like who am i here and am I being the kind of person I think I should be? That's when you're finding that internal locus of control.
1: Mm. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. Last question is there's lots of talk out there and in my brain, confusion about the emotion of anger, which mm-hmm. I'm sure shows up in so many ways. Like mm-hmm. if yeah. you are just finding out it, about your, your husband's porn use or an affair or yeah. all that kind of yeah. and. And I have experienced how it can be beneficial and harmful. Exactly. Right. And so like in what ways can it be helpful? And in what ways can it be harmful?
0: Well, again, just like so many things, like when we want to say porn is bad, anger is bad, divorce is bad, it just becomes really unhelpful because it becomes just such a black and white way of thinking as opposed to how am I relating to the idea of betrayal? How am I relating to the idea of anger, right? So I think that in general, like if if somebody, I've worked with people that are so invested in forgiving their spouse that they won't let themselves have anger. They think of anger as bad. They think having any resentment is bad. Therefore they're just like slapping forgiveness onto the situation as a way to not grow up, to like not look at what's there to not deal with their honest and legitimate reaction of anger and to not have to kind of wake up and make some challenging decisions. They would prefer the idea of I forgive you, I forgive you, Uh, I'm sure you're going to do better, let's just paper over this because it's a way of not having to take deeper responsibility in the name of virtue. Mm. so their lack of anger is a sin in my opinion Mm. right if you want to use that framing of sin versus right because they're not being honest because they're trying to control something that's not theirs to control as in who your spouse is you're gonna have some feelings of anger sometimes when you wake up to what other people have been willing to do that's harmful dishonest unfair The anger itself can be very valuable information. It it can be a signal that there's injustice here, that there is something wrong, there's something that I need to take seriously. Now, that's different than building a life around anger. Okay, that's why I think we're asked to forgive because to build your life around being a resentful victim is a horrible way to live. And a lot of people choose it, right? Like 30 years later, Did I tell you about my first husband cheated on me and what a loser. I mean, I've really met people like that because they're just, that's the way they try to handle their disappointment and to handle their crushed sense of self. And they're still letting their, you know, degenerate, just to use that phrase again, degenerate ex-husband to basically define their life. rather than let that person be who they decided to be and move on and live a life that you respect, right? That's that's how intoxicating the sense of victimhood can be, which doesn't mean that people aren't real victims sometimes, right? Angerlessness and rage are both problematic. And so how do we find what is the anger that's helping me address something, move forward, Understand it have give myself some compassion that of course I don't like it and of course i'm upset about it, because it was unfair, it was not right. But not build my life around that emotion and use harness it to address my life and become a better person be a person, I respect, whether or not my spouse is in my life.
1: mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah so like if you were to experience anger and then reflect back on it. Was I angry for me or was I angry to try to control something else or right. try to maneuver? grab
0: the moral high ground, angry to feel superior. Right.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Cause I, I don't want any confusion as far as like, Oh, wives shouldn't feel angry if there has no. pornography, but it's like, are you feeling angry for a, like a secondary reason or a reason that's really out of your control? Or are you just need to process this emotion is just something that you just need to right the process and you know
0: there's lots of reasons too to feel you know you feel angry because you've been being lied to you, your spouse has been misrepresenting themselves Are you're feeling you know and or you're feeling angry because they're using this as a way to not actually not just rep- misrepresent themselves but they're not actually dealing with their lives or dealing with their responsibilities, and there can be plenty to be angry about, right, that could be around any topic, you know, any kind of indulgent behavior that's costly to you. So the anger is a signal something's off, Mm -hmm. and something needs to be understood and addressed. It's very important,
1: Mm -hmm. right?
0: If I get angry about something, I'm, I'm often just quickly going at, like, what exactly am I upset about? What is it about this that upsets me? And am I being fair? Do, do I play a role in this more than I want to admit? Because sometimes if I'm really upset, it's like my attempt to wipe out my role in it. Mm. You see? It's like if I get really fixated on what somebody else did wrong, it's often an attempt to paper over what I did.
1: Yeah. Or you kind of want to blame someone else.
0: Yes, exactly. And so, you know, you want to look for that too, because again, the better the data you have, the better your life will be. The more your map matches what's real, the wiser your decision-making will be. So while we love to protect our egos and vilify or find comfort in our position, it, it keeps us from building an accurate map of what's real so we know where the landmines are and we know the wisest way to move forward.
1: Mm-hmm. And I can imagine like therapy and counseling and coaching – Yes, all be great resources to yes to help make that happen. Yes,
0: it's 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 a wise third party often that helps you see yourself more truthfully, and the more challenged the marriage, the more you need that third party. The higher functioning the marriage, the more trustworthy it is, and the more you can trust the truth that your spouse tells you about you, and the more you can wake up to yourself in that in that duality. But the more the marriage is unable to see what's real, the more dire the need is for a wise third party. And that wise is very important because you don't want them siding with one side or the other, poor you, bad you. That doesn't help things. It's like, how does this couple operate and how do they each need to grow up, right? Even if one has done more harm than the other, how does each need to grow up?
1: Right, I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time. I've been... My pleasure. ...and learned a lot from you. Great. I'm so glad. Well, thank you. Thank you. So if somebody wanted to work with you or get into your content, where would they go?
0: Um, The best place to find what I do is just go to my website, which is finlayson-fife.com. And on there, you can see all the different resources, but primarily... There's three kind of starting places I have, my podcast that this will be on, which is just conversations with Dr. Jennifer, which is just a free resource of me having conversations on different topics, spirituality, sexuality, intimacy, communication, that kind of thing. I also have a podcast called Room for Two that is me working with couples. They are anonymous, so they change their names and we distort their voices a bit. And I'm working with them around a lot of these issues. Somebody's been looking at porn or there's some infidelity or there are there's a breakdown in desire and how to understand what's going on. And so you can hear me work with each person in the couple and it allows people to see themselves and what they may be doing in their marriage. So it's, it's another way to get that third view, so to speak, without you necessarily sitting in the room.
1: I've heard a couple of those episodes. Yeah been so helpful.
0: Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And then I have five online courses that are all about self and sexual development. So I have a couple of couples courses, one about building a better relationship and the other is about creating a better sexual relationship. And then I have a men's course around how to address your, who you are in your marriage and your sexuality and, and how you can bring a healthier, more loving sexuality to your marriage and women how, same thing, how to develop a stronger sense of self, how to develop a stronger sense of sexuality and desire, and, um, and so those two courses, and then I have one about how to talk to your kids about sex, how to help your kids build more sexual integrity.
1: Well, thanks again.
0: You're so welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, we ask that you please rate, review, and share the podcast so that more people can find and benefit from Dr. Jennifer's work.